This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is The Two Mats for the week ending Friday the 17th of November. A podcast that doesn't spread conspiracy theories. It is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy too. What do we... It is. What we, well, we should flag up immediately that we've got the wonderful Dom Jolly in the second Yes, half. talking about conspiracy theories. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a very that's interesting... That's what that's all about. And, 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 he, and he is genuinely and everything he's, we he, hoped he, he would he, be. He's fascinating. But we have a great uh, chat at the beginning, don't we? About uh, well, about about all, all the uh, all the batshit stuff that's been going on yeah. with the Rishi Sunak, Swala Braverman, yeah. uh, Rwanda, James Cleverly. I mean, it's just a, oh. a sort of cornucopia of oh. batshittery, isn't it? Oh, cup runneth over, doesn't it? With, with, <laughs> with absolute batshit. Batshit, yes. Yeah. So, well, um, the, are we going to? Well, I think we you, I think you've really okay. nailed it. So, so batshit. Ah, okay. What about? We'll call the episode Batshit with Dom Jolly. Love it. Okay. So, this is The Two Mats, episode 22, Batshit with Dom Jolly. Enjoy. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, our cup runs over, really, doesn't it? I mean, where to start? Well, let's start. Let's start at the end, sort of. Yeah. Um, not quite the end, but um, with Rishi Sunak's press conference in response to the Supreme Court ruling on yeah. Rwanda. Um, maybe we could ask the third Matt, our producer, to play a little clip of that. That will get us get the ball rolling. I told Parliament earlier today that I'm prepared to change our laws and revisit those international relationships to remove the obstacles in our way. So let me tell everybody now, I will not allow a foreign court to block these flights. If the Strasbourg court chooses to intervene against the expressed wishes of Parliament, I am prepared to do what is necessary to get flights off. I will not take the easy way out. So totally in control. Nothing to worry about here, folks. Totally in control, long-term decisions. Um, (laughs) So so, so there he is. He's saying um, on the back of the Supreme Court having rejected the Rwanda appeal and from the government saying uh, no way. Sunak says, right, I'm going to pass emergency legislation. I'm going to pass a treaty. I'm going to get a treaty with Rwanda. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to just ignore the courts. I'm going to take 30p Lee Anderson's advice and just crack on. Yes, I mean, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but uh, I at least admired 
yeah. Lee Anderson's honesty yesterday and saying, let's just ignore the law and get on with it. Yeah. Because it, there's a critical mass growing in the Conservative Party of that's what we should do, just ignore all these things. But Sunak can't bring himself to say that. So he has to pretend, pretend that there's a rational process in all of this, which is that, oh, you know, we were working already on a on a treaty and, and we're going to pass these laws. And I mean, talking to Tories last night, they're having horrible Vietnam flashbacks to <laughs> September 2019 when the Supreme Court ruled against Boris Johnson on the prorogation of Parliament. That was um, yeah. over Brexit and that was uh, uh, Lady Hale then. And now they've got Lord Reid, who's the, the new president of the, of the Supreme Court, saying, because I, as you know, I lead an active social life, I, I, I read the whole 56-page ruling, so you don't, <laughs> so you all don't have to... But it was really unnecessary because it can be summed up in you're having a laugh, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, it's such a mess. It is a very, very, very clear ruling. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, these rulings tend to be notwithstanding the hit for, you know, but this wasn't. It was, look, the Rwandan system is not ready or reliable to take in these asylum seekers. And the real killer is that the, the the judges made absolutely clear this is not just a question of the European Convention on Human Rights, as important as that is. There are all sorts of other treaty obligations we Including have. Including the United Nations on refugees. UAG, UN Refugee Are we going to walk away from that as well? The Convention Against Torture. We're going to yeah. leave, you know, the yeah. Convention on Social and Economic Rights and, and many more. So It is, to coin a phrase, batshit crazy. It is as James Cleverly, the new exciting new Home Secretary, is alleged to have said uh, before he took the job, batshit crazy. The response of, of many Conservatives, and it's explicit actually in, in, in some of the press that there's been overnight, we're recording this on Thursday, is that basically we have to now withdraw from all these international agreements. Well, OK, let's take the ECHR just for as a for instance. There are two countries that have ever left the ECHR. One was Greece, when it was under the military junta in mm. the 70s, right? 60s and 70s. And the other was Russia, which was expelled last year for atrocities in Ukraine. Mm. Do we really want to be the third in that list? Just incredible. incredible. It, it's a really, I mean, I find it shocking that it's even on the table because the, the definition of national sovereignty seems to me to now have... have um, become in the eyes of many conservatives sort of total isolation. Pretending... Well, the problem they've got is they can't blame the EU anymore. No, they absolutely can't. Because they would have, I mean, they would have blamed the EU. It would have been very convenient. Rishi would have said, this is far too complicated. We'll kick yes. it into the long grass and just blame Europe, right? We'll blame yeah, Brussels. And they can't not... anymore because Brexit. Well and, done. you know, I saw Danny Kruger, of M MP, who I think we were going to be hearing quite a lot from, um, and leader of the new conservatives. Who Something to look forward to. Uh, whom we've um, spoken of before on mm. this on this podcast, um, an ally with Miriam Cates, the MP for Gilead, <laughs> and he he was saying he was saying that we don't need these treaties because we've got such decent laws in the UK. This is an um, an amazing way of approaching the world, which is the reason after the war with the Holocaust and various other atrocities that. We all agreed in 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 the international community to to set these standards, these global standards, was precisely because you cannot rely on nation states mm. abiding by certain minimal standards, and and it and it's quite helpful yes. to have. And it's worth pausing there just for a second because you, why can't you rely on them? Because the immediate microclimate will always take preference, precedence in a, in a politician's head. And that's precisely why we've got these supranational agreements that hold people back from just abusing them when it suits, which is what we're now seeing. And it's really, really important. And the, the deeper sadness and irony is that up until quite recently, the UK was always one of the countries in the forefront of, of leading. Right. Um, you know, we had a up and down relationship with the EU, of course, which led tragically to Brexit. But we helped to draft the European Convention on Human Rights. We were very involved in a lot of these UN conventions against torture and so on. You know, we, we very much were one of the countries in the West that said there have to be moral minima. You know, there have to be things below which, you know, you cannot go. Yeah. And now we have 
the party that is supposed to stand for the rule of law and all that sort of good stuff saying let's just get rid of it yeah and 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 we, the one person we haven't mentioned so far is is the architect of all of this suella braverman yes absolutely who who somehow through rishi sunak's unprecedented ineptitude has managed to control the narrative on what yes. went wrong here no absolutely you know, unbelievable i i sent you a note saying i thought it was a, a reverse mark antony and, and what i was referring to for those less pretentious than i is of course julius caesar where yeah. brutus having stabbed caesar comes out onto the forum steps and says his piece to the roman people yeah. wins them over then crucially makes the mistake of handing it over to mark antony who was yeah. caesar's mate who then through the rhetorical genius that caesar puts into his mouth convinces everybody that brutus is the villain right yeah and this is this is a reverse mark antony it where is. rishi sunak allowed suella bravman to get the narrative out there and to make it all look like it was his fault. She has set the narrative, allowed everybody to think Sunak is a guy who's got no eye for detail. That's an interesting question because that's his big rep, yes, is that he's across really all the detail, is. has ignored the detail required to front up the, what, what would happen when the Supreme Court did this, which was looking like an inevitability. So he's, he's totally been lackadaisical and no eye for detail. And painted herself as the person who was crying out in the wilderness saying, Sunak, this is going to go wrong. You need to prepare. Absolutely. If he'd have waited for the Supreme Court judgment and then sacked her saying, listen, this was her job, her thing to push through and she's failed with the, the litany of other crimes she's committed lately. She, this is now too much. It's incompetence off your pop. Her reaction then would have looked like somebody who was just who'd, who'd messed up and was really really sore about it. But ultimately, it was her job, and she'd messed yes, up. Yes, I mean, and, and as we uh, we did a supplementary podcast on on the day uh, that, that that she was sacked, and David Cameron became foreign secretary. Remember that? Remember, yeah, those remember happy that, days. Those yeah, happy yeah, days. Yeah. You know that he he saying that Sunak had clearly been very rattled by the weekend yeah. and needed to get in his view get rid of her. But the as you say, I mean, the, the letter that she wrote. A lot of people said it read like the letter of a, a jilted lover, um, which may be true, but actually it was pretty detailed. And one of the things she said was that Sunak was guilty of magical thinking. And up pops last night, Wednesday, uh, Lord Sumption, former Supreme Court Justice, who says it would be constitutionally a complex, ex completely extraordinary thing to effectively overrule a decision on the facts. What he's saying is you can't just get Parliament to say actually Rwanda is safe. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what she said about magical thinking, which is a pretty big charge to lay at the door of a pro serving prime minister, yeah, yeah. turned out to be true. And I mean, it's a character assassination. I trusted you. This is Swella Braveman. It's generally agreed that my support was a pivotal factor in winning the leadership contest. Completely correct, as we've often noted uh, last October. Her attempts to get sense into him. This was often met with equivocation, disregard and a lack of interest. Either your distinctive style of government means you're incapable of doing so, or as I must surely conclude now, you never had any intention of keeping your promises. Mm. And then she refers to lots, lots of other things. Wishful thinking as a comfort blanket to avoid having to make hard choices. Yeah. And remember, this is the guy who's just done a devoted an entire conference to long-term decisions. People have compared it to Jeffrey Howe's uh, resignation speech in 1990. It's not. No. This is hyper-modern character assassination. She is just out to destroy but, him. And, and he has, through his... I, I had a, a text from a very well-respected foreign correspondent who put it in a nutshell, said he's just not very good at politics, is he? No. And and through his cack-handed hand, handling of the timing of her dismissal, he allowed her the space to get that note out and to blame him for what is actually her fault. Yes. And that's now the narrative, is that he has screwed it up. She was trying to save it. He could have said, if it had just waited, he could have said, she's messed up. It's her. It was her thing. She only had one job to do, and she I didn't said, do I, it. I said on the, on the steps of um, Downing Street a year ago that I believe in accountability, and therefore yeah. my home secretary, there has to be a change at the home the office. The book stops with her. The battle yeah. with her. But, of course, it's been turned around the other way around. Mm. Um I mean, one of the things out of it which blew my mind was I knew that um, her support had kind of been crucial to him and he had desperately sought it because he needed her to keep <laughs> Boris Johnson out the race so he could win. Yeah. 
Um, but the idea that someone who is running to be Tory leader, therefore to be prime minister, signs a deal. <laughs> a, a written deal, deal. A written deal. With Suella Braverman, let's <laughs> be honest, people, of all people, yeah. right, is, I mean, shows weakness yeah. and lack of judgment of a, of a absolutely extraordinary nature and yeah. and she says in in the letter it's it's a it's a tiny detail but it's funny she says our deal was no mere promise over dinner to be discarded when convenient and denied when challenged which is of course for political anoraks a reference to the tony blair gordon brown granita, granita yeah. dinner in 1994 granita's in a, a restaurant that yeah. in islington that no longer exists and that it was there that they allegedly made the deal that fell apart and and so on but what she was saying was you know you didn't even have the the, the wit to to just take me out to dinner and say things which you didn't <laughs> yeah. which you could then renege on yeah. you were actually stupid enough to write it all down That's and here right. it is and clearly they're going to release the braverman camp are going to release that uh letter and um there's talk in the braverman camp of a shit grid Great. you know uh, kind of you know things that will come out step by step to make his life more horrible if, the, if this was the opposition it would be wonderfully amusing but it's not this is the serving government of the united yes. kingdom and it's a absolute catastrophe we look like a, a joke nation well, I, I think you've put your finger on something really really important because last night wednesday keir starmer suffered what ought to have been a very very embarrassing rebellion over a motion to um you know, call for a ceasefire. Call, uh, well, I mean, the, the he didn't want to put ceasefire in. Yeah, he had humanitarian yeah. pauses and all that sort of thing. And and some fairly significant people resigned, including notably Jess Phillips, who's popular and well known and and was a leadership contender. But somehow, I think Starmer is going to get through it. And the reason is, to your point, which is that I think Starmer already looks like he's prime minister. Which is, you know, he stood firm. There was a rebellion. There were some resignations. On we go. Yeah. Rather than Starmer hasn't united the yeah. Labour Party. It's a disaster. Now, in normal circumstances, that would have been the way it yeah. was played. But so disaggregated is the Tory party yeah. that it, it, it really didn't seem that terrible. There's just a level of, of personal culpability and incompetence that Sunak is is triumphant at and and I tweeted or I did it on the New Europeans account that you know he is very lucky that he isn't the chief executive of one of these Silicon yeah. Valley people he sucks yeah. up to because if he was running a business and one of your core strategies was exposed as having you, your eye was off the ball you weren't paying attention it's gone wrong all this stuff about we're doing a treaty with Rwanda and we've been working on it for ages is obviously bullshit right if you made up you, any any chairman of the company or major investor would just say mate you're not fit for purpose and you'd be sacked but he's very lucky he's only the prime minister of the United Kingdom because you can get away with that shit these days but maybe 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 for a while for a while yeah. I mean one it shows Yet again, the core problem with populism, which is, you know, one of the main tenets of populism is that there are simple solutions to complex problems. Now, I think that the the question of asylum, refugees and so on is going to be one of the big issues of the next 20 years because there are going to be a lot more of them, partly due to climate change. Even if we do hit net zero, we know that there are going to be hundreds of millions of climate refugees alone. Uh, there's more population mobility generally. Yeah. Um, we're going to need very complex systems and they're going to have to be supranational. This idea that, you know, you just stop small boats, uh, it, it, you know, it looks OK on a lectern, I suppose. Mm. But it's it's silly, as is the idea that you can just send these refugees off to countries which clearly are not ready to receive them. I yeah. mean, Rwanda is just not, capable of handling the the kind of sensitive and delicate issues that are always involved also the in shame of cases. us having to be the ones who are stood up in the global community saying no no no, rwanda's a fine fine country with yes. no problems at all immaculately run and no no issues with refugees going over there to claim asylum which is we all know complete bollocks you know Obviously we bollocks. know it is it's not the place you'd send 
despite the fact that they sponsor Arsenal Football Club and visit Rwanda and all, it's not the place you'd, you'd volunteer to go to live. And these people no. want to come and live in the UK and that's why they've risked their lives to do so. You can argue the toss about the validity of that journey that they've made. But what you can't do, clearly, is just say, OK, congratulations, you got here. You go into a country that is far less safe and has yeah. a no- notoriety for treating certain people in a certain way and will send you back, as the, as the Supreme Court quite rightly acknowledge send you back to the place you just escaped from yes. obviously that's a non-starter i mean as a as a sort of aside i i wasn't aware of the word refoulement i don't yeah, know no, about no, you good it was one. a yeah, new I one like that. Could uh, be word of the year word yeah. of the year yeah. um meaning to send back to, send to somewhere refoulement, refoulement is it, yeah, or yeah. you know does what um, it says on the tin but but what this has revealed is the fundamental dishonesty of the rwanda project which was on the one hand we were meant to believe that Rwanda was a fine and sunny and happy place where refugees would be perfectly okay. But on the other hand, it was meant to be a deterrent. Yeah, right. Which is it? Yeah, make your mind up. You folks, know, you yeah. can't be saying, yeah. Yeah, if you come here, you'll go to Rwanda yeah. and you know what it's like there. Or, But also, Rwanda is fabulous. And the final bit of incompetence we should discuss is, of course... This is the day that he actually had, for once, some good news to talk he had, about. He had, a, he had what, in a normal number 10, uh, with a normal government and a prime minister with normal length trousers, would have been an absolute slam dunk, which he has he'd hit his inflation target. Yeah. 4.6% Office for National Statistics. Now, that won't have fed through to people's food prices in particular yet. You wouldn't want to overplay it, but it's in the state they're in. It's a massive good news story. I was listening to Emily Maitlis on the news agents was making this really good point, which I, I mean, I agree with her. I think she was saying if you went out and asked people on the streets, what are you more interested in? Stop the boats or the price of your groceries? No one cares about stop the boats. Stop the boats is a um, it's the end of the rabbit hole that the Tories have got themselves down with their obsession with identity politics, with uh, race, with ethnicity, with immigration, with integration, to the point where they think that if they stand up often enough and say, we're going to stop the small boats, the public will roar with approval. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think, you know, the co- you know what it costs to get your basket. And your turkey uh, and your uh, and, and, and And in the days ahead, yeah. doing your Christmas shopping. And quite rightly. Small, and quite rightly. I mean, yeah. the, the sense of priorities and, and the, the, the lack of perspective that all this shows is just more evidence, as if we needed it, that this is a government where metal is grinding on metal. It really is. It really and is. by the way, folks, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you are missing Matt Dancona's beautiful attire, which is a new European T-shirt with the great phrase, it's people, not boats. How could I not today? So thank you for that, How Matt. could I not wear it today? And if you want to join in with that sentiment, I think we've still got for some for sale on the TNE shop. So They're can, very comfortable. They're nice they, T-shirts. They, they really are nice. They're the quality of the made. cotton is... Uh, yeah. yeah. And they come in... Quality like, schmutter, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Award it. <laughs> Get yourself now one now. So on that outrageous little plug for TNE t-shirts, we're going to take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side with the amazing Mr. Dom Jolly. Tune in. This week's episode is sponsored by The New European and boy, oh boy, do we have a seasonal gift for you if you subscribe. What's that, Santa? It is. It is. And I shouldn't be laughing, but it's an absolutely... Deadly serious. It's it's a fantastically funny set of six Christmas cards and a 2024 wall calendar. Also seriously funny, (laughs) I'll be bound. But they are bloody funny. Bloody funny. Honestly, I even wrote some of the gags myself. Well, then, it's a lock. It is an absolute lock-in. And uh, you can get those six cards and your fantastic wall calendar to give you laughs all the way through 2024. And to make all of your friends think you are the funniest person on the block when they get your Christmas card, if you subscribe to The New European. And The New European, if you don't know, is a fantastic newspaper and website full of great serious political analysis from great writers like the very fantastic Matthew Dancona. Do you know him? Seen here. Relative? Very cousin, I think. (laughs) Patience Wheatcroft. 
Bonnie Greer, James Ta- Ball, James Ball, Tannicock, John T. Bloom, Alistair Will Self, Self absolute know, stellar stuff. And, company, and, and Alistair Campbell's diary is an absolute. It's a must. Is an absolute must read. And it's also got loads of fantastic cultural uh, commentary and features, stuff left field stuff you won't read anywhere else. But if you love Europe and you want to get a sense of why Europe is a is a fantastic continent and a great place we all love, then the New European was literally made for you. So subscribe and join our fight against right-wing nationalistic media and do something positive about the state of the press in the UK. Yes, sir. You can get everything we do online for just a pound a week or if you like the actual newspaper delivered to your door every single week, then you can have that for another pound and that's a 75% saving on what you'd pay at the newsagent. Just go to www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats, number two, M-A-T-T-S. Do it now and you'll get your Christmas cards and calendar in plenty of time for the festive season and you'll be supporting great independent journalism. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So welcome back, folks, and I'm delighted to say we are joined by the amazing Dom Jolly, who has a new book out. Um, Excellent new book uh, called The Conspiracy Tourist Travels Through a Strange Land, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Welcome, Dom. Go buy it. Welcome, Dom. One one of the things that interests me is that serendipitously, we're coming up to the 60th anniversary on November the 22nd of the assassination of JFK, which you, and you go in, in the book to... Dealey Plaza in Texas. I know you've been there before. And you call the JFK conspiracy industry the ultimate conspiracy theory. Can you explain what you meant by that and why it's so important as, as one of the, the, you know, the first and, and most uh, influential conspiracy theories? Well, it's weird. I, I'm not sure it is the first because, uh, you know, there were, I think when, when for instance, when there was... It's not the first, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I think there's always been conspiracies because we're a conspiratorial sort of people. You know, when Spanish flu was happening, I think there were conspiracies and stuff. But I think it's the first kind of pop culture conspiracy. And I think a lot of that had to do with the kind of pop star appeal of JFK and Jackie. The fact that it actually happened, you saw the film, you saw the Zapruder film, you know, everyone, the shocking moment of it, everyone could remember where they were. And then I think that was just happening as possibly the kind of post-war believing in the establishment and believing in government was just, you know, the 60s were just edging in 
people were starting to think that everything was probably not quite as good as it was. Vietnam was just kicking off. So I think it kick-started a whole lot of stuff. And by the time the Warren report came out, I think you were in full kind of anti-establishment, 1960s, don't believe the man. And it just, it, it had everything, didn't it? It had a film that you could endlessly re-watch and analyse. It had the thing we all hate, which is the sort of untimely and suspicious death of this sort of single important person at their prime. But also there were just so many different people that had a motive to kill him. You know, there's, there was an amazing, I think it was The Onion had a fantastic cover talking about all the people suspected from, I think it was LBJ, the communists, Castro. The mafia. The mafia, Jimmy Hoffa, suicide, the Muppets. You know, it could be anything. So I don't know. It's just endlessly fascinating. And it's very weird when you go there. It's just a weird place. When you went there, it was interesting that you got talking to uh, someone about the the recent QAnon theory that John F. Kennedy Jr., not the original John F. Kennedy, but the, the one who died in a plane crash in, I think, 1999, was going to reappear uh, on, the, of course, the grassy knoll and dispense wisdom and, you know, usher forth a, a new era where the deep state would be dismantled, et cetera, et cetera. What, what was that like? I mean, I, I know you'd been there before. Had it changed, the atmosphere in the, in, in the area of Dealey Plaza and so on? Well, Dealey Plaza is such a weird place anyway, because in your mind, you sort of think it's going to be completely sealed off like some sort of national memorial. But actually, you know, the, the street he was shot on is just a busy road in downtown Dallas. There's someone helpfully has, has painted a big cross right where the, the sort of end bullet that you see blow his head up on the Zapruder film is. So if you want to have your picture taken there, someone's done that very helpfully. And then it's become a kind of pilgrimage, I think, for all sorts of people. When I first went there in 2008, it was full of uh, sort of proper hardcore JFK conspiracy heads. They all loved uh, the film, Oliver Stone's film, and they were all sort of standing there hawking their own particular views. This time, I went in 2022, I think early, it was much more QAnon-y, much more Trumpian, and it was America changed from really what the whole book is about to me, which was the conspiracy theories used to be quite fun in a sense, like quite harmless and interesting. And now I think they're a lot more dangerous. And QAnon, particularly, there were a lot of QAnoners there who seemed, seemed to be there. And, and the idea was that he was going to, JFK Jr. was going to turn up and he was going to exactly that dismantle deep state. He jumped from being a Democrat to a Republican, apparently, which was quite odd. Uh, and he was going to turn up and anyway, it was all announced and this massive group of people turned up and then they waited and then he didn't turn up. And then there was a rumor because the Rolling Stones were playing in Dallas that night that he'd changed his mind and he was going to appear on stage with the Rolling Stones, which seemed a bit more fitting. So everyone went off to the Rolling Stones and he didn't turn up. The whole thing was just very weird. Uh, the, the very strange thing when you talk to people there is you can spot the absolute loons, you know, the sort of ones that are wearing horns and, yeah. and stuff but it's the really normal people that you're talking to and you you get on with them or you find them interesting and then you suddenly they just suddenly drop something and you, you realize that they've got just all these weird thoughts going on in their heads and it's very odd and unsettling of all the conspiracies that you you catalog here and you deep dive into are there any common traits between the people who fall for well fall for them who revel in them and and take them on what are the common traits of someone who goes for a conspiracy theory it's funny because if you look online and i spent a lot of time in lockdown arguing with people online because i had a very close friend who was on a ventilator with covid and i was being harassed by sort of uh covid idiots and anti-vaxxers and it, it drove me nuts and and they they sounded stupid that was the real problem and i have to say that when i went out and met a lot of these people one of the traits was they weren't stupid. They were a lot of these people, if anything, thought too much. They were overthinkers and they were m normally victims of the algorithm. That's basically what happened. I set up a separate Instagram page as a fake conspiracist and followed the usual suspects from Katie Hopkins, David Icke to Right Said Fred. And what's unbelievable is the stuff that comes into you. So my real Instagram and the fake Instagram are living in multiverses. They are completely separate world. So I can totally see how people fall for it. And I think what I learned more than anything was that stuff happens. The world is chaotic. It's random. It's weird. Uh, and just things don't make sense. And as humans, 
We don't like that. We don't like chaos. And so we try very hard to put logic, uh, force logic into chaos. And conspiracy theories really help with that because they, they give you solace that things that have happened aren't your fault, that there's the, there's, you know, it's someone else, it's some evil power that's controlling everything. And also it gives you, a lot of people feel very lost at the moment, I think, in the sort of new world we live in, very polarized, very powerless. And I think the idea of having this secret knowledge and if you get into conspiracies, you tend to go for all of them. And it becomes your tribe. James O'Brien talks about footballification of life and stuff. And it's very much that. It yes. becomes your identity, your tribe. It becomes who you are. You say the word kernels of truth in most conspiracy theories, which I think is absolutely spot on. And one of the reasons that so many of them prove so adhesive. But not all. And one of the chapters I enjoyed most was when you and your wife went on a a trip to discover whether Finland exists. Yeah. Could you could you give us a, a, a capsule account of, of your findings on this exciting voyage? Well, firstly, I felt very bad for my wife because I've written, this is my fifth travel book and I, I always go off on my own because that's how you should travel, right? You should just go off and get in trouble and shouldn't be with anyone you can sort of spend time with. But my wife insisted, our kids had gone to uni, that she had to come on a trip. So... So I said I'd organise one, and she said, "Where are we going?" And I said, "Finland." And she she looked a bit disappointed. I'll be honest. And then <laughs> and then she said, "Why?" And I said, "Because it doesn't exist, and I have to go and prove it does." And I, she nearly backed out at that stage, but she did come with me. The reason I did it, there's an amazing graph done by this woman called Abby Roberts that basically delineates the sort of levels of madness of conspiracy theories. So it starts with the ones that might might be true you know, need a bit more conversation. And then they really go into the sort of top tier of mad, anti-Semitic, you know, evil nonsense. And sort of in the middle of this pyramid, I saw this thing that said Finland doesn't exist. And from what I could gather, it started as a Reddit thread, as a lot of things do. And it was sort of a joke, I think. And the, the basic premise is that in about 1917, Russia and Japan decided to invent a place called Finland so that no one would go there to fish because what they claim is that it's actually just part of the Baltic. So it meant that Russia and Japan could divide the spoils and have the fishing rights to the place. And the fish, weirdly, were then transported to Japan on the Trans-Siberian Express under the guise of Nokia products, which was very close to my heart. So I thought that was great. But I thought what was interesting about it, you know, I was easing my way into conspiracies. I thought actually one of the problems with conspiracies is arguing with conspiracy theorists. And actually, it's very difficult to disprove anything because they tend to just say well you're in on it or you would say that so even finland i landed in finland <laughs> it said welcome to helsinki there appeared to be a language that was finnish uh the gentleman who stabbed my passport i said where am i he looked a bit confused he said you're in helsinki <laughs> in finland i said but am i and the finns are quite odd isn't <laughs> i think he quite liked the question but he said yes you are and i said can you prove it and he said not really <laughs> Uh, he said, you could look in your phone and your map. And then, of course, if you're a conspiracist, you'd say, yes, but who owns, you know, who set the phone up, who set the map up? And so supposedly where I landed was either somewhere in Sweden or Russia. And the people I met were crisis actors or just people being paid. It's like a sort of Balt Balt Baltic Truman show. Yes. I mean, I mean, is that would that be very much so? And actually, the Truman show was just very big part of conspiracies because it, it was also the flat earth thing where I went off to the edge of the flat earth and that they believe very much in that sort of thing when Truman hits the wall in the Truman show um so yeah yes but basically no I did not I mean I do believe Finland exists if you want my my findings I think it seems to be there but um <laughs> I couldn't prove it I mean it, it's very odd and a lot of Finns weirdly are aware of that uh conspiracy and I think it tickles them they're slightly they're very doer surrealists, the, the, the Finns. They're quite odd, or whoever is playing the Finns. And so they quite enjoy discussing it and teasing you and saying, you know, you don't know, I might be Swedish, or it's very odd. When, when you said, Dom, that, that they were a lot of conspiracy theorists were victims of the algorithm, is, the, is it possible as a conspiracy beneath the conspiracies? You know, is, the, is, is somebody manipulating all of these people deliberately, coherently to precisely this this aim do you think well this is when your head starts to explode when you go onto these sort of multi-levels of conspiracies <laughs> and, and yes very much it possibly you know that actually is not a, a ridiculous 
theory, if you if you think about what Elon Musk is doing with, I refuse to call it X, with Twitter or whatever, you could see how if you were politically minded or you were trying to get various stories across that you could, I think, I, mean, I don't know how you do this because I, I'm completely non-technological, but I'm sure that it is possible to drive. I mean, certainly it's possible if you're following GB News, for instance, you tend to get sent a vast amount of stuff that GB News wants you to watch. So I think on that level it is. Yeah. I think that the thing I really found with conspiracies that really knocks them down in the end is this idea that everyone has that there are these massive forces, uh, you know, secret forces controlling stuff. And I just, my problem is I'm not denying that governments, corporations have definitely lied and been terrible, but they just seem to get the wrong end of the stick of who they're targeting. And, and my experience of meeting people in power, they can't run parking systems. So the idea that they can run this massive, <laughs> this massive conspiracy... It seems far-fetched, but I don't know. Maybe the new sort of, the new tech, you know, the sort of tech bond baddies like Musk, maybe they they are doing it. I don't know. All, all it seems to do, though, is just drive me to watch too much Katie Hopkins, and no one needs that. <laughs> well, it, no, that's absolutely right. But it is interesting how it's, you said it, it used to be fun, and you're right that it used to be, you know, a bit of Roswell, UFOs, Elvis, Bigfoot. It was it was something entertaining. And now it's entered the mainstream of politics. So, you know, more than 70% of Republicans in America believe that the 2020 election was stolen, something for which there is zero evidence. Quite the opposite, actually. I mean, the theory has been tested to destruction. It just isn't true. But they believe it in their hearts. And that's that's when conspiracy theories start to really have an effect upon real life. They're, you know, they're, they're consequential, aren't they? Well, 100%. Um, it started very much with Trump, I think. But I actually blame Kellyanne Conway. That famous moment when she talked about alternative yes. facts. I think that was a real milestone. The moment you had a, the fact that she was the presidential spokesperson. But saying alternative facts, that was the moment when you started to have two truths. And once there's no truth... What have you got? I mean, you looked at it in Gaza recently when the hospital was hit and one side was saying that it was the Israelis and the other side was saying it was a missile misfired by Hamas. And no one knows. And both sides have just taken that thing as their truth. And now we just live with two truths. And that seems a very weird new world we're in. And, and that has direct effects, obviously, on, on us. And it was the same thing with COVID. You know, I was sitting there visiting a guy in hospital on a ventilator my age, who very nearly didn't pull through. And I was being told by people that COVID didn't exist. And it's just very odd. You can't prove anything anymore. Did you come to any conclusions that there was a, a way to combat this at all? Or is it beyond salvation now? Are we just lost in this miasma of bullshit? I think we are lost a bit. And with the advent of AI and, and you know deep fakes and stuff like that, I think it's going to get worse. One of the things I learned was that it is actually pointless arguing with conspiracy theorists, and it's definitely pointless, or that feels good, sort of berating them or, or just insulting them, because actually what happens, it's very much like a cult mentality, or even a religious mentality to a sense, that when you're attacked, you tend to retreat into your bunker. Uh, so you're not going to change their mind. And I've, I've spoken to a couple of ex-conspiracists who've kind of come out the other side, and they tended to have the same sort of experience as alcoholics do, really. Like you hit rock bottom and then you something makes you make that decision. But I think the more you try and persuade people or change them, the more actually they kind of get more convinced. And you see things like Russell Brand and stuff that, and Trump to an extent. They actually build their own defense in the sense of saying, oh, well, if they come and say that this is all lies, that's because I've got too powerful telling you the truth. You know, and it, it, it's it's madness out there, really. And I don't want anyone to think that this book is serious in that way. I just, I did want to make some serious points, but I wanted it to be funny as well. It is very funny, but uh, but it's also a really brilliant way of, of, of exploring the subject, which is by by travelling around and talking to people, actually, which is a, is a great way of doing it. But I was wondering, Dom, how it affected you. I mean, what was it like coming off the back of this you know, magical mystery tour through uh, all, meeting all these people and going to a lot of places. Did you come back? Did it did it change you? Did it affect you? Not massively because I did kind of, overall it was just madness. And I kind of, I do like dipping into madness. I kind of in, enjoy it. The, the, yeah. I think the driving force of the book 
was I used to see all these people online plugging all these kind of weird conspiracy theories. And I used to think, I can't actually believe this. They're either doing it for clicks or they're doing it because they're on the grift or whatever. And I really wanted to look these people in the eye. I want my, my real ambition was to sit in front of a flat earther and ask him the question, so you genuinely believe that the earth is flat? And I wanted him to look me in the eye and say, yes, I do. And I, I had that experience. Spent the first time with a gentleman in Glastonbury because there's a real, there's another weird blending between sort of new age stuff and conspiracies. So by the way, if anyone in your family is buying crystals, that's a gateway drug to conspiracies. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I met a guy, I found, got his number on the phone. I rang him up, said, can we meet? And he said, sure. And he arranged to meet somewhere in Glastonbury. He said, I'll be wearing an Afghan hat, which anywhere else would have been easy. But in Glastonbury, everyone was wearing an Afghan hat. He sat down and he looked like as though Roger Waters had joined the Taliban. But actually, I really liked him. He was a very sweet, nice guy. <laughs> but it was just crazy. You couldn't argue with them. And the question you really wanted to ask in the end was, if the Earth is flat, why is NASA, you know, they hate NASA. Why is NASA so determined that it's round? Like, who cares? Like, what's, what, what, what's, what are people getting out of it? And you never get that answer. Dom, you were in, uh, you were one of the um, contestants on I'm a Celebrity in 2010. Yeah. And <laughs> finished in a very creditable fourth place. So, you know, um, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Belatedly, Thank 14, you. 13 years too late. Thank you. Speaking of conspiracy theorists of a sort, yeah. how do you think Nigel Farage will do? So I think he's going to do incredibly well, sadly. I think he'll dominate the whole thing because obviously whether you hate or love him, that's what drives you to vote. So he will do all the the trials. He'll start to be resented by everyone in the camp because he's basically hogging the limelight. And the real problem is that he's in there unchallenged. You know, like Ant and Deck will probably have some sort of smart question to him, but it'll be veiled in funniness. And what you really want, if he really wants to see this, I'd love to have his nemesis in there stuck with him. That's what you really want to see. I was trying to think who that might be. I, I've actually got a tiny bit of hope for Grace Dent in there. I hope she's smart enough. Yes, yeah, she's yeah. good. She's a very good journalist. And she's, she's very really smart. Good. Alistair Campbell would have been a great Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is box office. You're quite right. Alistair Campbell and him in there, it yeah. would have been a murder. But I, it would be brilliant. It would have. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I think Campbell would have ripped his head off. It really would have been, yeah. All right. Well, listen. On that note, thank you, Dom. Good um, luck with the book, and thanks ever and, so much. And we'll just remind listeners of where you can get the well. You can get All the book anywhere. Tools, it, yeah. The conspiracy tourists travels through a strange land by Dom Jolly. And Highly it. recommended by the two mats. Thank you very much indeed, Dom. Speak to you again in the future. I hope. Thank you, guys. Take care. So, Matt, what didn't we have time to talk about this week? Well, um, something uh, good good entertainment available uh, this weekend. There's uh, The Crown, the first tranche of the last season. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's just dropped. Uh, I, I don't have a, a, a review, a capsule review, I'm afraid, but that'll a lot of people will want to see that. But the other, the, the, there's a movie opening which I have seen, uh, which is Saltburn, right. uh, which is the second film by a rather remarkable director Emerald Fennell and that is a kind of twist on the old brideshead theme of um, you know guy from uh, relatively lower class or whatever you want to call it uh, background gets drawn into this loose uh, debauched aristocratic milieu um, and it's got some terrific twists in it and, right. and a and an amazing amazingly performance by Barry Kogan so Fantastic. I re really recommend it and also as we've discussed on the pod before we don't talk enough about class yeah period yeah. Uh, generally not I mean on the podcast but generally by the way have you ever seen is it the killing of a sacred deer fantastic movie what a film that is with Barry Kogan I mean he he is I think the 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 next Joachim Phoenix or it's amazing he, with uh, Colin um, Colin Farrell Farrell, Farrell. and and yeah. you'll discover in in this one that he's um he's been to the gym oh Barry. has he has yeah he bulked no, out? he's bulked out has he yeah so I saw we'll, him on a I saw him on a catwalk in in uh, Highbury Fields. Oh, I was, really? I was, yeah. I mean, it was an open air Louis Vuitton show. Was it Louis Vuitton? It was someone, one of these people. I hope I've got that wrong, actually, because that will infuriate their PRs. Anyway, well, it was one yeah. of these shows, and he and he showed a small guy, but yeah, bulky and broad. Yeah. Very, very yeah. Yeah, big, big future ahead of him. Yeah. So go see that if you get the chance. And um, the other thing we didn't talk about was old Pie Face, wasn't it? With uh, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> your mate and mine, David Cameron, in in uh, in the Ukraine, didn't in, in he Ukraine, rather, did so. not waste any time, did no, he? Straight, straight over straight to see Zelensky, on a, yeah. a plane to see Zelensky, where yeah. I imagined his principal message was, "We have not forgotten yeah. uh, that there is a place called Ukraine." Even um, though most of the population seems to have done. We I, should do an issue, I think, with the New European, just reminding them that. that yes, there is. There is, still a, going. there is a country. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, very, very, very big moment for Zelensky to. You know, he'll be needing visits like that to yeah. cheer him up, whether yeah. he was expecting David Cameron. He must be very confused, Zelensky, because first of all, he's had, you know, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, <laughs> yeah, Rishi. Rishi Sunak, yeah. and now apparently sort of in a sort of Doctor Who Lord Cameron. twist, you know, like <laughs> David Tennant coming back. Here's Dave... <laughs> Is David Cameron right? What, what, is what's all that's what's what all do they call it in Doctor Who? The re, regeneration, regeneration. regeneration you know, I mean, you know, Zelensky must be thinking, I need to get more sleep. That you know? is a that is, I'm gonna do him. This is a future covenant. You've heard it here first. Him as Tom Baker, <laughs> the regeneration, the regeneration. Of David Cameron. That's great. Brilliant. We might do that next week. Well, great idea. Yeah, the, the new series starts quite soon. So Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much to Dom Jolly. I thought that section was brilliant. He's welcome really, anytime. Really enjoyed that. Get your questions into us and any feedback you've got to the two mats at tnepublishing.com. That's the two mats at tnepublishing.com. Number two, M-A-T-T-S. Uh, we're back with a new Q&A episode on Sunday. And don't forget our Christmas deal where you get free cards and a free wall calendar when you subscribe to the wonderful New European. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, the third Matt, assisted wonderfully by Maya Siedeland and Ollie Peart. Until next week. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.